Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive and June. Olive and June gives you everything that you need for a salon-quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive and June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive and June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. Want flexibility? Take yoga. Want flexibility with your health insurance? Check out United Healthcare Insurance Plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget friendly medical, dental, and vision coverage that may be right for you. More at uh1.com. Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction and free shipping. And that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements, featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com slash ACAST and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and T-shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to another episode of Don't Blame Me, starring us, Megan and Melissa. It is us. We are here. Two of, some might say, the greatest minds in the world. We are philosophers. That is my new pet peeve, by the way. People who put philosopher in their bios, and I'm like, Socrates, is that you? Literally, I'm like, Plato? <laughs> Hello, Plato? Excuse me? Like, it's just like, it's one thing to like declare yourself as an ally. It's another thing to declare yourself as a philosopher. What new ideas are you bringing? What thoughts are you provoking? 
Oh, oh, by the way, these aren't professional. These aren't people with like a degree in philosophy. These are like people who like make videos on TikTok where they talk. And I'm like, you're a story time. Well, Come I on. mean, they can have a degree in philosophy and that's how you're a philosopher. But oh, no, no, no. I agree with that. But I also do think that's a little much. But this yeah. one, these people aren't like, should I put in my butt? If I was a communications major, do I put in my bio? I'm a communicator. Nah. Like what? Even if you have like the greatest things that you're saying, I just feel like that's a title you can't give yourself and that only happens after you die. Like, I just feel like that's like what happens. I don't know if that's true, but like that is my view and whatever. (laughs) As one of the greatest minds, then, you know, your view, valid. How old, like when was the era of philosophers? Like those people, like Aristotle and shit? Aristotle was in... 384 BC to 322. Plato was in. No, they were around the same time. So, like, how do we know their names? Like, are there books? Because they would go and speak, and then their stories would get passed down. It, there's an actual word for it, though. I learned this shit the same time as Greek mythology, and I was not like because they're they're Greek philosophers and we need to be taught that they don't separate that some of this is real and some of this that's is my issue <laughs> i'm like all of these sound like the exact same level of plausibility like any teachers who are listening i hope that they have reformulated that curriculum because i walked away from that now as an adult going i don't know which one was real and which one helena was- troy that was real i thought helena of troy was real up until like recent times not tro- now what about the trojan horse it's not real like, that shit isn't See, real. fuck that shit. <laughs> fuck that shit. Fuck that shit. Like, you were not specific enough when you were teaching me this shit that this was real and not. Like, it's just, uh, it, no. It's just too fucking confusing. And it's yeah. also confusing when there's, like, we set things in this, like, eras of being, like, but they didn't have this form of communication or this form or this form. We're learning all of this stuff. And I'm like, so how do we know any of this shit? Like, what do you They're mean? They're just, they, basically, there were stories that were told and passed down. One thing about, like, the Greek philosophers, they were like bust made of their faces. So that's what people think may exist. But like it's story. And I can't th- I don't remember what the word is, but there it's a word like they someone is like screaming in their car listening to this being like, this is the word. But see, my question is, do you think someone played an elaborate prank and like some of these be. people were t- real? And then it's like, no, no, that was just folklore. And then some of those people aren't real at all. And Mm -hmm. it's like, no, they are real. Like, I just feel like there is a, we don't factor in the possibility when teaching history that we could have been scammed. Yeah. I just think that we need to incorporate more scamming and more wearing of that. True. I feel like it doesn't need to be stated, but I just want to state it at at any point, just to make sure this applies to this. This does not apply to the people who are like Holocaust deniers and like shit in that time. This is about when we didn't have records of shit and like things and none of the people who like lived through that are alive now and we don't have any like and like the fifth grade education this is maybe maybe i need to take this up with my elementary school maybe that's a high possibility what the fuck were these stories called (laughs) (laughs) but it's just i yeah because i think once we get to like the william shakespeare and like you know or like the thomas edison Even with Shakespeare, though, there's like a lot of 
theories that Shakespeare's works were written by Black women that were enslaved and then he took their works. And then like, and then there's other theories that's like who we consider Shakespeare was kind of just like the figurehead of it all, but it was a collection of other people's works. Yeah, like the Wizard of Oz kind of thing. It was like he, there's a, you know, man behind, there's someone behind the curtain. Mm -hmm. I thought at first you were talking about the book the wizard of oz and i was like i think that was written by one person (laughs) (laughs) no i just take up i just have questions and then i watch things like book of mormon and like everyone's laughing and like i'm not like pro mormonism or anything like that but i just wonder why are some of these things things that we like question uh, as being like these are just, these aren't real. And then mm-hmm. why are other things on fucking standardized testing that I need to know as like facts and facts and facts? Right. I have questions. Well, well, thanks for coming to our podcast. If you have questions about your life, then you can call in. <laughs> what a good fucking segue. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah, Weird Advice Podcast. We give wonderful, life-changing, amazing advice because we too are philosophers. <laughs> And if you want to call in, you can leave us a voicemail at 310-694-0976. And international listeners, you can send us an audio message at megapodcast at gmail.com. You have to be 18 or over, have your parents' permission, include your age, no names. It'll all be anonymous. Include your pronouns if you would like to, and we would appreciate that. And write down everything and practice before you record it. So Mm -hmm. you can time it out, make sure it's under three minutes and you have all of the right information. Because the more information that you give us that is like, what we need, the context, the meat of it all, the better advice you will receive. Don't leave out the important stuff. Cut out the stuff that's not that important. And if you do, wonderful. That's a good philosophy about life in general. Are we philosophers? <laughs> oh my God. And if you do wonderful on all of this and you just score aces across the board, you can receive a diamond. Aww. Aww. The very coveted diamond from melissa melissa let's say melissa's diamond and that sounds a little sexual great <laughs> i don't see what the problem is here for sure for sure i just then went up deflowering and i go but that is so pointy and sharp but if you say deflower it is pointy and sharp but you can i mean look at the one on your hand it's brown and smooth yeah but i would want this at my like vagina sounds like a business opportunity for goop i'm waiting Waiting, waiting, waiting. <laughs> they probably With already have it. <laughs> Truly. I feel like we have discussed random shit enough. Yeah. And we can get into the actual episode. Let's do the uh, update. Oh, yeah. Update. <laughs> you got really excited. I forgot. About All right. So in my original call, this was would have been back in November. I was calling to talk about a very loving, amicable breakup that I went through with my partner of like almost six years. We had like recently separated and it was like mutual. (laughs) And I was struggling, I guess, kind of with like how to move on when you still were in love with somebody. And I had just decided that I was going to move across the country. So I was wondering kind of how you guys would suggest me moving forward, making new friends, moving to a city where I don't know anybody and being single for the first time, pretty much since I was like 15. Things have changed (laughs) since then. (laughs) And it's so funny because all of my friends are like, there's no wonder why you're calling into that podcast because your life is ridiculous. (laughs) So 
essentially we broke up in my update. Um, I'm very specific about it being November 23rd, 2021. It's a big day to remember. That was the official like end of everything. So we took some space. We were still like keeping in contact sort of. I'm really close with his family. So his mom was still reaching out to me like almost every couple of days to like, you know, respond to my Instagram stories and whatever. I was really close to the sister. So she and I were still going to the gym together and keeping in touch. And I was keeping it really low key on social media, trying to be respectful, assuming that like, you know, he maybe he's hurting, struggling. This is not an easy thing to go through. And I was doing really well. I like have been going to therapy for a couple of months, but I really like kicked it into like hardcore therapy and like started really working through my stuff. I was being really adamant about being very social, seeing my friends, doing good by my body and going to the gym. And I'm honestly like when I say I was thriving, I mean it. <laughs> I was thriving. And one day I just decided, you know what? This healing thing going a little bit too well. And I'm in the mood to hurt my own feelings. Oh, I get there too. It's relatable. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I did the thing that you're not supposed to do. And I went to his Instagram followers and I started creeping a girl. It's like my intuition told me, like, click on her name. You're going to find something. So I click on her and she has an open profile and her most recent photo he had liked. So I was like, it was a photo set. So I was like, I'm going to flip through the photo set and just like see what's up. Well, I did not expect to see what I found. And I found a picture of what looked like it was like her standing in front of the mirror, taking like a mirror selfie with a boy kind of like wrapped around her, like kissing her cheek. And this, it was the bottom half of his face and it looked suspiciously like my ex-boyfriend. And I was just thinking like, she posted this on New Year's day. There's no way, there's no way like (sighs) that it would have happened that quickly. But I did some more creeping and I saw that she had TikTok. So I was like... I'm going to check out her TikTok. Oh, no. I was met with a video of them making out in our old bedroom. So he and I lived together for most of our relationship. And it was just like a bold faced video of them making out in our old bedroom. So naturally, I had a meltdown. And I called all of my friends. (laughs) And I was very adamant with my friends. I was like, I don't want to talk shit about this girl. Because first of all, not her problem. Mm -hmm. Second of all, She's a very beautiful girl. It's not going to make me feel any better to like speak poorly about her. Good on you. I was like, let's direct all the negative energy towards that boyfriend. So I said this to my friend and she was like, okay, I love you. And I respect your wishes, but I just want to let you know that this girl was born in 2003. I don't know. She essentially he's 25 and she just turned 19 in October, which like legal. Yes questionable yeah literally Mm -hmm. very so I was like oh okay that's kind of like all I needed to know so that's where I'm at I must say what I didn't include in that call is that I called him immediately and I tried to keep my shit together (laughs) I was like hey I just was met with a video on TikTok of you making out with a girl in our old bedroom and he like you could hear the panic in his voice he was like um yeah and I was like so do you mean to tell me that this didn't overlap with me at all? Right. And he was like, no, didn't. And I was like, okay, so a girl is comfortable enough to post photos and videos of you on social media after a month or like, where's, you know, <laughs> there's a mix up in communication here somewhere. And I feel like I'm not getting the whole story. Needless to say, he did not admit 
to it being like a crossover of the two of us. And I just don't believe him for a second. Yeah. Yeah. Like, right? I Yeah, I think that's valid. I think that like there is a universe in which he's telling the truth and there's a universe in which he is lying and you yeah. get to live in whatever universe you want to live in. Like, right? Do you, you know what I mean? Yeah, and I was like, he was like, it's not like I'm in a relationship with this girl. Like, my parents don't even know about her. Like, nobody knows about that her. That was going to be like, my next question because you said you still talk to his mom and his sister. Yeah. How old is his sister? She's 20. She's going to be 29. Does he so, have any younger siblings? No. Okay. It's just the two of them. And they live together. So, like, oh. I used to live with the two of them. So, like, she knows about this girl because she's obviously been over at the house. Yeah. Which, like, makes the whole situation even weirder. So, yeah, I was not very kind in that phone call. I did make him cry. <laughs> not my proudest moment. It's fine. Yeah, it's fine. But, yeah. Wow. So, how have you continued contact with his, like, family and sister? Or have you kind of cut ties more now? So, I've muted Anybody related to him, including him, I've muted them all on social media. But the weird thing is I muted everybody except for his one cousin because his cousin is the funniest guy I've ever met. And weirdly enough, the night I decided, like I went to therapy, I talked to my therapist. I was like, I need to just like cut ties and like forget about trying to be friends with him because clearly like he's disrespecting me. Yeah. That night, his cousin posted that there was like this horrible tragedy in their family. So I was like, damn, like now I have to reach out to him because I'm the bigger person and I feel awful. So I reached out to him and he threw this like half-hearted like apology via text and kind of cornered me because I was like, what am I going to do? Disagree with your apology when you're there's a tragedy in your family? Yeah. No, now is not the time and place. So that's kind of where we left it. Weird. Weird. Fucking Weird. Yeah, right? that age, that age thing, because like that, the fact that like he's trying to convince you that like it's either brand new and I'm like, OK, if it is like a brand new thing with this new girl, then you have had to pursue her so actively because no 19 year old girl is going to like suddenly feel like ready to pu- like do it like that is like, I don't know. Get- I feel like if it's like an older guy that you no, that's yes. what I'm saying. He's pursued you so heavily that you don't have a definite relationship that you feel confident enough in all of his actions and everything that he said to post this. But does she know that they don't have a definite relationship? That's what my question <laughs> yeah. is. Yeah, I think that like he's had to pursue her so hard or say all of the right things to lead up to that. Like, it's just yeah. we've we've all been 19 like yeah. we like exactly you have probably promised me everything like you've mm-hmm. said all of the right yeah. shit but like yeah you haven't followed through on any of it and the thing was when we like that was another piece of context that made it into the second call was that he and I broke up officially in July of 2021 I moved out and then we like tried to make it work for from July to November so I was living at my parents house seeing him like once a week Uh, sort of so in that time I was like going to therapy journaling going to the gym like seeing my friends he was going out with his single friends yeah exploring his options so I said did you meet this girl before you and I officially broke up he goes yep and I said so were was it like a switch up situation like you just decided to like you know trade me in and he was like no I met her in a friendly setting meeting what 
Yeah. <laughs> like literally meaning what? So yeah, I ended up telling him that he just like embarrassed me and that like he made me feel like a clown and that he should have just told me instead of like letting me find out this way. And he was like, I knew this would happen. Like I knew one of us was going to find out. And I was like, well, if you knew that was going to happen, why did you let her take a video of you guys making out and then post it on TikTok? Like, he was like, oh, I didn't know. And also, who the fuck does that? I know. <laughs> That's like really embarrassing. Yeah. He was like, I, you know me because he doesn't have any social media. He just has a business account. And he was like, you know me. Like, I don't mess with social media like that. I find it cringy. And I was like, you're right. It is cringy. I was like, imagine you found out about me that way, how embarrassed you would be. <laughs> and then, yeah, it was just like, it was. I told them, everyone's like, their jaw dropped. They're like, you're kidding. And I was like, nope. Imagine. dude i mean it shows how much more emotionally mature you are that like you spent all this time doing therapy like everything that you've said is like the definition of a therapized person and then he couldn't prove his unworthiness of you and his immaturity even more by going then suddenly like being with a 19 year old like to me i'm like oh okay like even if i didn't age out of you now I would have aged out of you in two years, five years. Like yeah. there's was there was an expiration date on this that had nothing yeah. to do with me and everything to do with you. And the thing, like the biggest issue in our relationship was always that I wasn't like words of affirmation and physical touch and that kind of thing weren't my love language. And he always like used to throw it in my face. He'd be like, You don't make me feel like sexy, you don't make me feel wanted. And obviously, I mean, on paper, this guy's great. He's twenty five, he drives a nice car, he owns two houses, he owns a business. Of course, any 19-year-old girl is going to worship him. Yep. So that's all it comes down. Like, I've just, like, I've come to the conclusion. I'm like, it just comes down to, like, you needed someone not on the same, like, level playing field Mm -hmm. as you to, like, look up to you and, like, kiss the ground that you walk on. And I just was never going to do that for him. So it makes sense. But it was just shocking. But it took him off that pedestal for me, which I needed. Yeah. Like, time. So now I'm, like... I'm actually doing okay. <laughs> yeah. Cause you're like, oh, yeah. I was the best thing about you. Like I was the best version. I was the best thing about you. And now that we're not together, yeah. this is you. Yeah. And like, yikes, I don't want yeah. any part of that. Yeah. And like, if his friends and family can condone like that weird of a relationship. And it's like, that says a lot more about you and who you surround yourself with than it does about me. Like, mm-hmm. yeah. But yeah. <laughs> wow. Holy shit. Well, sorry. You had to find out that way, but I'm, Hey. Glad that it's over. Me too. It makes for a good story. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Wow. I think it was like perfect timing because now that I'm moving, like, I'm like, you know what? If I had found that out once I had moved, I would have spiraled so hard. Yeah. So I'm like, get it out of the way, done and dusted. Nothing else this guy can do to hurt me over it. Yeah. <laughs> wow. Yeah. Oh my God. Well, better than ever. And you'll find someone right? so much better. I hope so. <laughs> yeah. Oof. You will. Yeah. Yeah. You will. I promise. Well, thank you for giving us an update. And of course, we like the entertaining aspect of it, but <laughs> I'm good. I, I hope that this is, I mean, it's obviously your life and you're going to find someone who's so much better and it's going to be all good and something that you can laugh about. Honestly, it already is. So I'm oh, glad good. I could provide some entertainment. <laughs> cool. Well, thank you so thank much. You. Thanks. Bye. Bye. Wonderful update. Dramatic. Very much so understatement (laughs) understatement very happy that she's doing well and uh, fuck that man yeah trash 
I'm still waiting for the day that like two people, two separate parties, like listen to the podcast. And it's like, it's like the girl, the new 19 year old is listening. And it's like, oh, he had a girlfriend who li- like a live in girlfriend for six years. But the only way she would know that it was about her is if she knew the girlfriend existed, you know? Maybe he told her about like, oh, the, TikTok, the TikTok, you yeah. know? That's true. That's true. And I would hope that you would be like, is this about me and not like everybody does that? No, like, yeah. no. Also, if you are the 19 year old that's listening, why are you making these TikToks? Yeah. And, and run, run from yeah. this. Older men. No, not good. Okay. Should we get into our first call? Yes. Hi, Megan and Melissa. Me and everyone else in this story are 24 and use she, her pronouns. I'm calling for advice on how to support my long-distance friend through a medium-distance breakup. For context, my friend has been in a seemingly happy, stable relationship with her girlfriend for over a year. They've been living in different places since September for career reasons, and her girlfriend has been struggling to adjust to her new city and experiencing some depression. My friend has been very supportive of her, and they visited each other regularly since they were only living a few hours away. They planned on moving in together once their respective leases ended, and we're both really excited about it. They were even talking about it on the phone the night before the breakup. However, out of nowhere, her girlfriend called my friend and told her that she needed to exit the relationship without really explaining why. They made plans to talk about things after taking some space, but now her girlfriend isn't responding. My friend is completely blindsided and feels like her whole world has been blown up since she's lost both her partner and her plans for the future all at once. She has a lot of abandonment trauma from past relationships, which her girlfriend knew and had reassured her that she would never leave her out of the blue. Now that's exactly what's happened, and my friend is so crushed. She knows that her girlfriend's depression may have contributed to the breakup, but that just makes her feel worse because she doesn't want the person she loves to struggle with this alone. We live in different states, so I can't be there for her in person, and I'm struggling to find the right things to say when we FaceTime. I mostly listen and give her space to process and try to be supportive, but I feel like nothing I say helps and sometimes just makes it worse. I want to honor her pain while also helping her heal, but I feel like I'm failing at both. I've told her that I'm not sure if I'm helping and to tell me how I can best support her, but I think it's just too raw for her right now to even begin thinking about feeling better or how to do that. How do I balance validating her feelings while also reassuring her that this isn't her fault? Thank you so much. I love and appreciate you both. Oh, this is hard. I know. I can hear the caller's voice breaking. Yeah. Until you're going through it too. Also, you can get a diamond. <laughs> I think that like this might be like uh, a hard thing for you to hear. But I think in these situations, especially when it's this fresh, there you can't really help. The only thing you can do is accidentally hurt. Like, There is nothing that you can do or say that will make her feel better. And that's not exclusive to you. There's nothing that anyone could say or do. There's nothing that she can personally do in this moment that will make her feel better. And that's just kind of like the early stages of a breakup. And it is possible, though, that you could say things that can backfire and hurt. And I think that like, if you've already asked, like, what can I do to help, blah, blah, blah. My first advice is just like, don't make it about you at all. Like the whole, like, I feel like I'm making it worse, blah, blah, blah. Like you can apologize if you said something that was like, really, like really didn't help and like really hurt in the moment and be like, I'm really sorry. I said that I should not have said that. And I'm, I'm really going to work on that. I'm not going to do that anymore. I'm like wholeheartedly apologize. And then just listen 
Like, Mm -hmm. it's really hard to, like, watch somebody that you love and care about go through something really sucky. And, like, it's natural that your reaction is to, like, want to cheer them up and, like, want to, like, you know, reassure them that everything's going to be okay and, like, all of that stuff. But that is not the stage that she's at right now. And that sucks. But you do kind of have to, like, bite your tongue and just listen. And, like, it's okay if the only thing that you're saying is, like, I'm so sorry. That really sucks. Like, I'm so sorry you didn't deserve that. Like, I'm really, really sorry. And just letting her process it. And like, it doesn't make you a bad friend if like, that's the only thing that you're saying back or you're not contributing much to the conversation. And then if like, she's not talking much, I think like, you can be like, hey, like there's this new show that's coming out that looks really good. Like, I'm gonna start watching it. Like, do you wanna watch it on FaceTime together? Like, do you wanna do that? So like the kind of things, like if she doesn't wanna talk, having those distractions, like those distraction hangouts that you normally do in person to try and do that kind of stuff. But it is kind of like, you kind of just like fall on your face a lot when trying to help with a friend with dealing with a breakup because you don't necessarily know what stage they're at and like what is, what what role they want you to play in it. Yeah, it's funny because like everything that I was thinking, like this is what I'm going to say that you said. (laughs) But all, and it's also like, it's kind of weird in new-ish breakups because sometimes and this I'm I'm speaking from experience where I was kind of trying to be that friend that's like trying to say all the right things and giving all this advice and then like they end up working things out and get back together soon after it and I'm not saying that that will happen but it's still a possible um, it's still a possibility that it could like there was a misunderstanding or the your friend's girlfriend, you know, thought about a few things and then had to work on some things for themselves and then they end up getting back together. But yeah, I'm with Megan where, you know, be very careful about the things that you say because they can be detrimental and they could, it could be like, you're saying things that aren't necessarily true to the situation. Like you just try to find the words that you feel are right to say and then it ends up hurting things and making them worse so yeah a hundred percent just be there I wouldn't even like don't really say or talk just listen yeah I don't think there's a right way but there is a wrong way Mm -hmm. and like the goal is to not do not do the wrong way and how to not do that is literally just like you shut up and you listen Mm -hmm. and you wait for them to ask you what you think about it and then you filter from yeah from there. Um, and then I think if you are within like driving distance or something like that, and you're able to like ask like, Hey, if you want me to come down for a weekend, that'd be really like fun. We can hang out, like do anything like that. I think it's nice. And even just like, you know, sending a little letter to be like thinking of you, like Mm -hmm. that stuff, like there, there are those like little things that you can do, but there is, um, it is so not about you Mm -hmm. at all. So like the less, you are involved in this part of it, the better. Like you are just right now, like a a shoulder, you are uh, someone to listen to and all of that. And you don't want to, like Melissa said, you don't want to get ahead of the stages. And this is like advice for anyone talking about their friends going through a breakup. You are never the first person to talk shit about their their ex. And you shouldn't even be like, they should be talking consistent shit about their ex for weeks before Mm -hmm. you can chime in and just agree with them 
or just yes, that like say something that they've already said. But it is like a very delicate balance because mm-hmm. you don't know the relationship at all in right. that as much as you think that you do in that situation. Yeah. Oh, but I feel for both of you. It's really hard. And yeah, it's rough. And it also seems like a relationship that moved pretty fast for a year. And that can be like a very hard whirlwind to kind of come out of. Mm-hmm. All right. Next call. Let's do it. Hi, Megan and Melissa. I'm a 28-year-old woman. She, her pronouns. I recently realized I'm bisexual. And while I'd like to start hooking up with women, I so far only had sex with cis het men. I didn't start having penetrative sex until I was 22 and have only had six partners. Two were boyfriends and four were hookups. They've all been horrible at touching or fingering me. I masturbate a lot, so I know what I like, and I have made a concerted effort to tell them what I like, but they either end up trying once, not succeeding, and giving up, or not trying at all. Most of the time, they're just rubbing so hard and fast, it feels like they're trying to start a campfire. Have I just had bad luck so far, or are all men trash? Should I just abandon and men and focus on exploring women? I know you'll both tell me that these men have been garbage, and that if I keep looking, I might find a good one. But that feels like a waste of time right now. I know that with every sexual relationship, there needs to be a discussion of what people prefer. But I'm truly wondering if anyone out there find a guy who's great on the first time. I'm currently just trying to find someone to hook up with, not a relationship. Obviously, that depends on what wave of COVID we're in. But I'd appreciate any help you guys have. Thank you. Bye. Just date women. (laughs) The, The answer is... Like you asked, are all men trash? Yes, but there's different levels of trash. Do you want to share our levels of trash? There is steaming hot garbage. That's what you see. You like, you avoid it. You avoid it so far. You don't even walk down the same block where you have that. There's just like, you know, stench. Like you turn up, like your nose turns up and you just turn it makes the the hairs in your nostril Mm -hmm. light on fire yes and it's like a wet garbage disgusting Mm -hmm. disgusting you want to like you want to douse your body in bleach to like get it off of you yeah and then there is regular garbage which like is smelly it's like sucks but like you can take it out like it's not like restaurant refried beans like seven day old refried beans like up to your knees garbage it's not that it's not like moldy but like it's not good like it's Mm -hmm. still really gross and like you could do without it like you don't need it And then we have like, you know, nicer like recycles. Mm -hmm. And that is one that you're like, okay, you know, it's a par for the course. I am glad that I'm recycling and this is a doable thing, but it's not like adding anything. Like, it's just like we're processing the garbage in a better way. Mm -hmm. And then we have compost. Compost, yes. Which gives back to the earth. It creates new life. But at the end of the day, it is still garbage. Mm -hmm. It just happens to be the most palatable kind of garbage Mm -hmm. but it still smells it still smells but like you said it's making the world a slightly better not slightly a better place yeah but it's still it's not damaging as much to the world Mm -hmm. so you might get surprised tomatoes exactly (laughs) but like at the end of the day it's still garbage so like all men fall under that but i as a straight person the what you are describing as like the issues and the, like the difficulties of like dating men or whatever, you seem checked out and kind of done. Date women, like date women. Like I think that like you don't need to kind of search if you're like newly just dis- like realizing that you're bi and have only ever had sex with men. 
you don't need to like knock down every door and like find the guy that's great and like all of that kind of shit. Like right now, it seems like dating men is kind of like a chore and a headache for you. And you're also into women. So I think like, why not? Why not? Like you can find like there are great guys out there. There are guys who like will do a great job on the first try. And like, yes, I think that you have come across you've come across like repeatedly bad ones. But I think statistically, I would say I'm going to assume that women-women relationships probably have a higher percentage of like orgasm earlier on than heterosexual relationships. Like that's like a very non-educated, no substantiated, none of that. But you could do your own theories. You could conduct your own research. (laughs) But also, like, on top of that, you've been dating a lot of men or sleeping with a lot of men that aren't listening to you. Like, you are specific. You know what you want. You're specific about what you want. There are guys that are out there that good on the first try, few and far between. But also, like, even if they're not good for you the first time, The fact that they're not listening is the problem. Yeah. It's not even like the initial sex. It's the fact that they're not listening to what you want. So you're dating guys that aren't communicating and aren't here for your pleasure. They're doing what they think is good because that's what they saw or heard. But they're not listening to the person that they're in the bed with. So, yeah, this isn't about like necessarily the mechanics of mm-hmm. said guys. It's about like the men themselves. Yeah. And I think that like right now you've only ever been with men. But let's say if that was like the flip side. My question, I'm trying to bring the patriarchy into this. Do you feel like trying over and over and over and over again with these men? Would you be doing that same thing with women in this mm-hmm. circumstance? Like, is this I don't want to say because like that's like not my place at all. But there's like this term like compulsive uh, compulsory heterosexuality or whatever. And that's like helpful for people who are never, I don't want to say, this is not me putting words in your mouth and I don't, I I can't say, nor do I think this is your experience at all. But something I've read about this that was really insightful is that because the world is built for the patriarchy, it's like built for men that even when you are, you are someone who isn't specifically like dating, like straight cis heterosexual men, that the patriarchy influences it in all different kind of ways. Mm -hmm. And I think that like, is the patriarchy influencing how you are going about dating? Like, right. is that part of what the reason why you are seeking out men who don't communicate with you well? Like, are you unintentionally going out of your way to date guys who like don't listen to you and like don't really care about communicating with you and like don't really care about like your pleasure and your feelings? And does that translate to how you personally feel about your own pleasure and your own feelings? Like, do you feel like heard and validated in your own desires? And then I think like, You could spend years trying to find a guy who's like goes down, like is perfect in bed on the first date. I also think that like it'll be years trying to find like a woman too who's great that or anyone. Like I think it's like being good at sex is more about how they feel about you as a person. Mm -hmm. And the more you get to know somebody, the better sex will be. But it's who do you want to get better at sex with? Like the first time you have sex with one of these dudes, and you're like not that into it and it's like not going well and like you can tell they're not into it like do you want to try and make it work like it's how i feel about like long-term relationships and anything like that and like even just like pleasure in general it's the bumps are gonna come it's not gonna be easy all the time who do you want to figure that shit out with like who do you care enough that like 
it doesn't feel like a chore. It did feel like you're invested in this. And I think that like, it feels like just based on your tone and how you're talking about it, I feel like you're kind of asking for permission to stop dating men, <laughs> like, and to like kind of be like done with men for a time being. And I think that's like fully fair and valid. Like, you know what you want. And I think if you sleep with a guy and it's like sucks after the first date, like if you don't feel the, if you feel like it's a chore to try and make it get better by the second one and you're not excited to try and make it get better, then be done. Like you don't have to give people like chances and chances and chances until you really want to. And like, that doesn't have to be like your MO going into it constantly. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Like the person, you'll find the person that you like really want it to work with. And then like that communication will feel like you'll feel very heard. It'll be receptive. It'll be responsive and all of that. But not all men are bad at sex. Yeah. Your partner should want to pleasure you. Like they should want to know what you like. And I don't necessarily think it's a, I mean, it is a sex issue, but I also think it's a picking issue and what you're willing to tolerate. Yeah. I think like if you can't tell that someone, whoever you're having sex with, that their number one goal or at least their number two goal is your pleasure, then be done. And see, I subscribe to like their number one goal should be your pleasure. And then my number one goal should be their pleasure. And if we're both on the same page as that, then the sex should be spectacular. Yeah. And even if it doesn't mean that the execution is there, like Mm -hmm. the intention is there and then eventually it will happen and it will get there. But like, if Mm -hmm. he doesn't care and like, or they don't care whoever you're having sex with, like if that is like not a priority for them, it's not going to be a priority for them. Yeah. And it's not your responsibility to like teach them that it should be a priority. Mm -hmm. But uh, best of luck sorting through that trash. Yes. All right, time for a break now. Okay, we will be right back. Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Spring is my favorite time to start a new workout routine. With the weather warming up, it feels easier to get into the rhythm of things. Whether you have 20 minutes or an hour for a Pilates class or outdoor guided walk, Peloton has everything you need to help you get going. Get a head start on summer with Peloton at OnePeloton.com. Mom deserves better than a drugstore card. This Mother's Day, surprise her with a truly special personalized card from Moonpig. Add your favorite photos, a heartfelt message, and we'll even mail it for you the same day, all for just $5. From mom to grandma, we have something to celebrate every mom in your life. 
Every mom deserves a Moonpig card. Get 50% off your first card at Moonpig.com. Moonpig.com. Today's episode is brought to you by a sponsor we love, 310 Nutrition. 310 Nutrition is helping us, you, our listeners, in the new year with protein and superfood rich products with so many options and flavors for your personal preferences. They're adding new products all of the time. And I just got my, I mean, I didn't just get my package. I just got a, 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 a secondary of my package. And I, as someone who needs electrolytes to function there, it's like elixir from the gods. I cannot sing their praises enough, specifically the cucumber flavor of this electrolyte mix is delicious like it's it's so good i've even like had it on like ice and been like i'm drinking like a drink drink like you can throw a little straw in there and it's it's delicious it's so good and i just i love they're filled with so many great ingredients that really help if you're like me and you like you know medically need some electrolytes but also if you're working out if you're sweating hot summer day you're going to an amusement park you're on your feet for a long period of time all of that um most of us are not getting the electrolytes we need yeah i drink mine specifically when i am working out it's my beverage while i'm working out i just take one stick of the hydrate mix it in with my bottle of water 16 ounces of water can provide the same amount of hydration equal to drinking two to three bottles of water if you got that hydrate in there they also have the all-in-one shakes which i absolutely love i'm running low so i gotta get some more but um i love the chocolate bliss the vanilla cream the caramel sundae i have all three of those flavors sometimes i mix and match them sometimes i'll use it when i'm baking or i'll just drink it straight and it is they're so good they have a triplex protein blend plant-based proteins that include pea brown rice and pumpkin that makes it so delicious you can get fiber and superfood blends with more than 25 organic fibers and superfoods blended into one easy, delicious shake. And they also have 310's four shake flavor starter kit, which lets you sample all the flavors for only $9. Right now, 310 is celebrating a new year of goals with Don't Blame Me and giving our listeners 50% off up to $100 for your first order. With so many sample packs, new products, it's really fun and super easy to put together an order, or you can start a subscription on products you know you'll use. Go to 310nutrition.com and use the code blame me right now for 50% off up to $100 for your first order. That's 310nutrition.com and use code blame me. In our live stream, our listeners are always recommending and talking about books. So we're so excited about book of the month because this is something that our listeners are going to love. This is a brand that I've been familiar with for a, a long time. I like love watching people talk about it. I love seeing what books people are reading and like what books they have available and I, I, I love I love everything about it. So I'm so excited uh, for someone who like, <laughs> you know, the ease of getting into a book, a lot of it can feel like really daunting. So to have like a service where it's like you're going to get like high quality hardcover books, which that's my preferred way to read at incredible prices, but also curated. So it's like amazing, cool, wonderful, great. This is it's kind of like a a straight shot into that and something that book of the month you can do over and over and over again. And one of the great things about it is the longer you are part of the program, the cheaper the books get. Book of the Month's mission is to help readers discover new books they love and promote the work of emerging authors. 
One of the amazing things about Book of the Month is that every aspect of Book of the Month experience is designed to be fun and special for readers. First of all, the books come in a bright blue box, which is very pretty. Me and Megan were just talking about them. There's also a fun app to pick your books and track reading progress. And as well, there are reading challenges and rewards. And Book of the Month makes it really easy to decide what book to read next, which for me is like the biggest hurdle. I love when other people make choices for me, especially when they're good choices. And I'm like, cool, I can trust you. So each month, the editorial team reads through hundreds of new titles and they pick some of the best new books for you to choose from. All of the books are so good. You can't go wrong. And I mean that wholeheartedly. When we were picking like our selects for this, I was like, this I like all of them this is hard and I literally coordinated with Melissa and I was like okay so these are like my top ones I'm assuming they will be yours so don't pick the same one as me so then we can swap afterwards and that's what we did so we got the ministry of time by Killian Bradley and we also received the return of Ellie Black by Emiko Jean the ministry of time is like people are calling it like if you're a fan of Outlander and like spy novels or time traveling books it's quoted from town and country saying it's really innovative fun storytelling the ministry of time is definitely for you and listed as 45 of the must-read books for spring 2024 and then harper's bazaar also said part time travel romance part spy thriller and 100 percent multifaceted joyride <gasps> when i tell you that i was like sold we're also excited about the return of ellie black and this one is about a missing girl who returns but that isn't the end of the story it's only the beginning. We both like a, a, a detective book. This one is uh, 20 years since Detective Chelsea Calhoun's sister vanishes. Ever since, Chelsea has been searching for signs for closure for other missing girls. But happy endings are rare in Chelsea's line of work, which that sounds so intriguing. And I'm looking forward to reading this novel so much. Can't wait. And we're so excited to usher in this new sponsor. And we know y'all are already going to love this. Plus, we've been recommended this so many times. Mm -hmm. So I, I we, we've already got fans in you. Try the service yourself at bookofthemonth.com. And you can get your first book for $5 with code PEDALS. That is your first book, $5 at bookofthemonth.com using code PEDALS. And we are back. Shall we get into the rest of the calls? We shall. Hi, Megan, Melissa, and possible guest. I'm a college student. I'm 21 years old, and I use she, her pronouns. Recently, I started to attend Alcoholics Anonymous meetings as I've been struggling with controlling my drinking since I first was exposed to it in high school. Last semester, I ruined a friendship and was in the worst place I've ever been mentally and checked myself into the hospital at one point. Things are going slightly better now. I'm back at a full credit load of courses and I'm planning to go to graduate school in the fall and I recently adopted a cat. My issue is that I don't know how to approach the conversation I want to have with friends about my choice not to drink. Being in college and especially the state and city I'm in, there's a huge drinking culture and pressure to drink. I felt peer pressured multiple times and instead of just saying that I am committing to sobriety, I say I'm not drinking for the night or make up some other excuse. I feel lonely because the people in my life outside of AA and other recovery groups that I'm in don't know about this challenging journey that I'm going through. I worry that if I tell people I won't be invited to social events where alcohol is present, which makes up a large majority of the time I spend with my friends. Part of me feels embarrassed and shameful, and I have issues with asserting myself, definitely related to my low self-esteem 
depression and pretty severe social anxiety. I'm in therapy and I'm on antidepressants and I have been sober for 38 days. Uh, my question for you is, do you have any advice for having these conversations and accepting myself for where I'm at and not judging myself for my past? Thank you. First of all, congratulations. Congratulations. Yeah, that's amazing. Very impressive. I very much understand you. And it sucks. Like this mm-hmm. really, really sucks because drinking is so heavily involved in our culture in general, but especially in your early 20s. And the right people will not care right. at all. And any time that people feel like this weird threatening thing about like someone not drinking to that, those people who are like upset or uncomfortable with that, they're not upset or uncomfortable with you. They're upset and uncomfortable because they're having to look and reevaluate their own relationship with alcohol. And people who have a healthy relationship with alcohol do not give a absolute shit if you are not drinking. And I, I, I mean, people who are actively drinking, who don't have like an unhealthy relationship, but people who are sober will wholeheartedly for the hopefully for the most part, completely understand. and. I think that it's a very good test for finding good friendships is by like being like pretty upfront and honest. I don't know where, what you, what level of things that you feel comfortable with. I fucking hate hanging out with drunk people. Like I hate it. Like it's so annoying. Like I just think that like there are some times where it's like a level of like tipsy that's fine. But like once it's like a group of people who are like sloppy drunk, like I don't want to spend time with you and hanging out. And a vast majority of my friends drink. A large majority of them also don't really at all. Mm-hmm. And it's just about hanging out with people without alcohol. And so very valid if you don't want to go to the events where alcohol is, even if it's not a, like a part of being a, worried about like relapsing. If it's even if it's like years down the road or that's not something that you are factoring in now that's a part of like your journey, it can also just be not fun. And that's like a very valid thing that you wouldn't want to hang out in those settings. But if that's the only way that people are hanging out, those are not the people that you want to hang out with. Like if all of their social interactions are resting on and involve alcohol, those are not those are not the right friendships for you. And to be fair, those really aren't the right friendships for anybody. Like if your relationships with people you can only tolerate or you only enjoy hanging out with them when you are drunk. That's not really true deep friendships. Those are like your buddies. Like when I stopped drinking, like there are people I literally never saw ever again because like those people I would just hang out with like every night going out. But I'm like, we have nothing in common. (laughs) Now we have like none of this other shit here. But I think that you said that you've got social anxiety and you deal with that stuff. So like, it's hard to say that like, I don't know. I feel like it's unhelpful advice for me to be like, plan something and being like, hey, like let's all come over to like my place and we'll have like a game night or like, hang out, like, do you want to go see a movie or something? But I think that the more honest you are right off the bat with being like, oh, I don't drink. Like, I'm not, I I'm, I don't drink. And whether or not you feel comfortable saying like, I'm sober is up to you. And that's mm-hmm. also something that you can grow with in getting to know people. Like, you can say, oh, I'm not drinking tonight. And then the next time be like, yeah, I, I, I know I don't really drink at all. And then a couple of weeks later, you're like, oh, yeah, actually, I'm I'm sober. Like, I've been sober for like X amount of days. And that can be up to you to decide when you feel comfortable and safe with new people and friends before you 
let them know that because like it is like a vulnerable thing. It's nothing to be embarrassed about at all. It should be something you should be like incredibly proud of, but it is a vulnerable thing that like you have every right to kind of withhold that information or give it out in doses that you feel ready and comfortable with. Again, I think that like the thing that happens when you get older is you start to have, you start to know people who get sober later in life and who start to go through that kind of stuff. And people, sadly, sometimes it takes a lot of people until that to kind of be empathetic and understanding of it. And there will always be somebody your age, whether it's in your direct friend circle or your exterior friend circle, who's not that into drinking. There will always be that. And like you just, the being the first person who says, I'm not going to drink, I don't really drink. Every time I've done that, every single time, there's always been one person who's like, oh my God, thank God, then I'm not going to drink. I don't want to drink then. It opens up that door to it. And it's hard, but like everybody knows somebody who deals with dependency on alcohol or has at some point in their life. And eventually, like it might take a few tries, but like you will be able to find those friend groups of people where you hang out at your place. But it's also about where you meet people too. Mm -hmm. And like, if they want to hang out, the first thing that they say maybe is they invite you to like, hey, do you want, we're all going to a bar. You can say it right off the bat. Oh, I don't drink, but like, would you want to go to uh, a movie this weekend? Or a restaurant where they might serve alcohol, but there's still food there. So like you can eat, they can drink if they want to, but it's not the main thing that you're doing while you're at that place. Yeah. And if their entire social life is alcohol, those are not people. No, those are people that their whole personality is alcohol. And I kind of went through this when I was in college, too. I drank a lot and I might have one drink a year now at this point. And so when I I started to question, like, am I friends with all these people just because we all drink together? And so, like, I would suggest and I I was realizing you came to that realization that you should go to AA I came to the realization that maybe like us drinking this much and that's all we do together isn't like the thing and so I would start suggesting hey guys why how about we not have like a a, let's hang out and not drink and just hang out we might watch a movie we order food and do other things Um, and then when you're inviting friends out and you invite them to go do activities that don't involve alcohol. You can go to like an exercise class together. You can go to the parks. There's just, I think that when you're in college, especially because drinking is something that you weren't allowed to do for so long. And then you get essentially the permission to do it. Then you feel like you have to go hard every night and you don't. And I think once people get to that realization that, you don't need to drink to have fun, then that's when you get your true friends. Yeah. And again, I have been so many places where people who have been like, hey, I heard you don't drink. And I'm like, yeah. And they're like, damn, I really, I really don't, I really want to stop. I really don't want to do it anymore. Like all of that. And it just is the fact that like people think that everybody around Mm -hmm. them has a healthy relationship with alcohol and everything's fine. And It is purely statistically, it's just a matter of years before more people start getting sober and dealing with all of that stuff. And I think that like the good people and the people who are like, not even just good, but the people who are ready for you, who are good friends for you and you can be a good friend too, will be understanding of that now. You don't have Mm -hmm. to wait out these friendships 
and hope that they eventually kind of get it. You don't have to mold yourself and your sobriety around other people's comfortability. It's about you. Like Mm -hmm. it's about what you are comfortable with. And if you have to sacrifice, oh, they only ever hang out at these house parties and there's always just a ton of alcohol. That's all they do. Those aren't the friends. You don't need to like position your life around that. You don't need to put yourself in places where you are not comfortable. There are other people. There are other people and other friends and it might just take a little bit longer and that sucks and it shouldn't be like that. I really hate how normalized drinking is like Mm -hmm. in our culture and drinking because you want to have, you feel like that makes you have fun, you know, like. Yeah, I hate the wine mom stereotype. I hate that I have to drink with my kids. Like, I think every age that we are, like, alcohol is ingrained as, like, a thing that is so constantly prevalent in how to get through the day. Get through the day. But you go to, like, another country where they're allowed to drink when they can look over the table, and it's not the same type of culture because it's it's just something that, like enhances the meal essentially (laughs) yeah and it's something to be used in like a food kind of related Mm -hmm. thing not like a constant partying sort of thing a coping mechanism to like you know be better in other people's eyes be more fun be more entertaining no yeah and your brains aren't fully developed and like Mm -hmm. that is something that like is so i think if we have better mental health treatments and like screenings and and help with that we will have far less binge drinking for people under the age of 25 because it is a coping mechanism and it's not a healthy one or a long-term one and i think that like being the first at anything in your friend group is really really hard and this is this one is especially hard because right now alcohol and social situations are in like just tied together Yep. And it's just about taking a step back and finding the people who aren't like that. And like, maybe it's finding an AA meeting of like people under like 30 or under 20. It's like under 25. They do they those. They might even have one at your school. Yeah. But they do have like AA yeah, meetings for yeah. like, they have specific AA meetings for women. They have mm-hmm. meetings for people under like 25. Like you can find those aspects of people. And it doesn't mean that those people that you meet need to be your like social circle and your friends, but it can be like, what do you do for fun? How do you Mm -hmm. meet people who are also trying to like talk to other people or even people who are a little bit older than you who got sober around like the same age that you are right now and ask them how they made friends or like what the friendships they had were and places that they met people and that stuff. And like utilize that community Mm -hmm. and- no bullshit. No bullshit with these people. You don't need to coddle any of them. It's about your comfortability, not theirs. And if they're uncomfortable, that's about them. Yep. And congratulations again. Congratulations. It's a very hard thing to do. And you're doing wonderful. In the words of Chris Jenner, you're doing amazing, sweetie. Okay. Did you think I had like an inspirational Chris yeah, Jenner I quote was, at I the top you of my really head? you were about to bust out some like real i just say a maya quote philosophical (laughs) to stay on topic do you think chris jenner will be considered a philosopher i think those people that are obsessed with the kardashians think so it feels subjective yeah i can't wait to dive into philosophers after this (laughs) all right last call hi megan and melissa i am a 22 year old woman and i use she her pronouns i'm calling today because i can't ride 
pretty much since I started having sex, I've tried to ride. I've had various partners and have never been able to figure it out. At first, I thought maybe it was just the size of my partner, but I've had sex with bigger dicks and smaller dicks, and nothing seems to do the trick. I'm currently in a relationship with a 24-year-old cis man who uses he, him pronouns. A relationship is new, and I've shared with him that I can't ride. He doesn't care. He says we don't have to ever try that position, but it is something I want to figure out how to do. In the past, I've gotten really frustrated with myself, and my partners have laughed. Don't get me wrong, I'm very pro-laughter in the bedroom, but this felt more pointed than just shared silliness. I have no doubts in my mind that my current partner is different. He's so much better than any man I've ever been with, but yet I have this hesitancy because of my previous partners. I told him about that, and he reassured me that he wouldn't laugh at me and reminded me that this isn't a deal-breaker for him, and if I can't ride, I can't ride. I'd love if you two could give me tips on how to learn how to ride. I've watched YouTube videos, uh, but I still can't figure it out. And it seems like people focus on what to do once you're already on the dick, but I literally can't get it in. And I also, once I'm there, I just lost. I don't know. My body does not know how to move in the right way. If you have any ideas or suggestions, that would be really great. I've considered buying a dildo and practicing, but I haven't done so yet. Let me know what you think. Thank you. All right. This seems about the angle of your vagina. This is what I was going to say. I think it's the angle if you can't get on it. I would start on my knees and hold the dick to guide it into how it should go. I will say to anybody, if you are riding a dick, I recommend one of you, preferably the person riding, you hold it and guide yeah, the dick. Because I think that you, especially because you don't, I'm talking specifically to the caller, like you can't get it you can't figure out the angle of which it goes in you need to go you can't just like plop it in you got to go slow and figure out how your body curves think getting a dildo is a good call but you should be guiding it inside of you lowering down because every vagina is different and also every mm -hmm. dick is different every so like, different dick so like you can't ride the same dick the same way no no. And so the issue getting on and mounting it that way. Yeah, I think a dildo is a great way to figure that mm -hmm. out. You could also like, to be fair, you can also like, depending on where you start to have issues with it getting in, like, is it at the beginning? Is it at the end? Because if it's like right at the beginning, you can figure that out with your fingers. Like you mm -hmm. can figure out that way. But if it's more along the lines of like, oh, we're solid for a second and then we're not. Think about it that way. Think about like, you can use a tampon, like when you have your period next time, like figure out your slope. <laughs> Figure out your slope and then, yeah. like, you know, do some math calculations. Yeah. Look at the trajectory of his Pythagorean dick. theorem. PEMDAS. Yeah, all that. But, yeah, that's, that would be my advice for mounting. Number two, there are different ways to ride a dick. There are different positions that your legs can be in, your feet can be in. It all just depends on what you like. You can be somebody that likes to go up and down. You can be a, a humper. There's different... Mm -hmm things. So I think I don't know what you're doing, but if you're specifying the writing part, I think it's because you're bouncing up and down and that might not work for you, especially if you can't get the dick in right. Yeah. And here's what I will say. I think that the best thing to do to start writing is similarly to mounting where you're getting on is utilizing your knees because yes. like it's kind of the same with like different positions of like doggy style where it's like mm -hmm. this can like hit your intestines and like mm -hmm. your brain <laughs> and you like yes yeah like and maybe medically no <laughs> but like so you can control the depth of that mm -hmm. and that is like where I say like 
being on your, having enough weight on your knees that it is like you are the one essentially hinging Mm -hmm. on instead of like bouncing up and down. It's more of a hinge. Yeah. And then the first thing I would say, the number one thing that like biggest advice for riding a dick is ride a dick for your pleasure. For your pleasure. Yes. Do not ride a dick for him. Man's going to like it no matter what you're doing. You can even, it could be like humping it, bouncing or circling too is another thing which actually that might probably be easier for you when you're first figuring things out too but like truly use the writing to come use the Mm -hmm. writing for you to get off and in the nicest way possible like this is for you and that is so hot for dudes where Mm -hmm. it is that like and then from there you can understand okay where is the position of like my clip in comparison to here? Which part of these things feel good for me? Mm-hmm. And then we can get into like the fancier stuff with like riding or whatever. But yeah. if you are not having fun while riding, it is a very like that's a difficult position. If it's like it can be so much more uncomfortable, it can be like, hurt your knees, it can hurt your hips and all mm-hmm. that. And you can just get fatigued and not enjoy it. So yeah. if you are choosing to ride, it should be because you are get like, it should be for you, not him. Doesn't mean that it always is, but like he's gonna still get off. Yeah. And like every sex position that you do, like you, it's the same thing I feel about like blowjobs or like going down on someone. Like you should only be doing those things because it is mutually beneficial for you as the person giving that. Doesn't mm-hmm. mean that like you're gonna orgasm or you're going to finish doing that, but it's because you get off on doing this. You should never be doing anything in the bedroom at all, sex wise that you are purely just doing because they want you to do it and yeah. you are not enjoying it and you don't want to do it. So if you can find, it's like the first time that you are riding a dick, it is because you want to figure out how it feels good for you and which position feels good for you. Grab a toy, like put that, if you don't, if you know where the position is, but there's like certain angles that are like mm-hmm. going to work and be better and figure it out that way. When you get tired, if you're like enjoying it, but it's like tired, like lean over and kiss him. Do that for a bit. Like you don't have to be up all the time. Yeah, you don't have to be up, but there's also different ways because you can go back so that you're like on, t- you're still on top, but your feet are flat on the bed mm-hmm. and your knees are bent and you lean back on your arms. Arms. Yep. And you can use your arms and your feet to help. Yeah. And I was going to say also like kind of like, you know, the frog position when you're stretching going that way and then using your your thighs more oh my hips would break <laughs> my hips <laughs> but would I, I usually die. have the guy hold and it's more yeah. like a a rocking as opposed to moving up and down yeah so i think that the the, the biggest thing is like the first thing that you do is you mount mm-hmm. and you figure out how to mount and it seems mm-hmm. like your boyfriend is like very like knows all of this stuff that might take a minute that it's like you're gonna call the shots like he's not gonna just like suddenly hold your hips and then just like, like jackhammer into you right And then like, it's not about up and down, like start with circle, start Mm -hmm. with circle and do it slowly. Again, figure out at what point of the circle you're like, oh, that feels good. Yep. And then you can do whatever motion and combination of motions that feels good for you there and just continue it. And then if you get tired, you know, the lean and down, you can like lean back and like try all of that stuff. But it is not about being on top. People, I think that people think that being on top is a performance. And you are like performing and doing something for them. No, the reason why people rave about like a girl being on top is because a girl is essentially riding your dick to come. 
Yeah. Like that's like what that is. And you're watching, you're seeing a visual face to face of you're just there. And a girl is literally like pleasing herself on your tip. Like that's what that is. And that's why it is like so renowned as being this like wonderful, hot thing. And the second that I realized that this is like, was not about performing. And this wasn't about like putting in all of this effort and like feeling stupid or like, do I mean like feeling like Mm -hmm. you have to like, there's a good way to do it and a bad way to do it and realize that, oh no, it's just about me. Right. That's when it becomes like the best thing ever. Yep. It's about you. Yeah. Without a doubt. Also, um, I sent Megan this little contra- it was a TikTok of this contraction. Do you did you watch it? I'm trying to remember. I think so. I I told you I was like, since you get tired on top, but it was a contraption where it was like a essentially like an assist that like goes over it had like legs on it and it had little straps for you to rest your legs and it had like a little trampoline so it bounced so you were essentially sitting on it and then there's a hole for the guy to be on underneath it so I, i'll find the tiktok again and share it truly i love being on top it's the greatest thing ever it's so quick and he, i'm like done so amazing great but like it's just after that i'm done like yeah. i don't want to <laughs> because i also have such bad hips that yeah. like most likely afterwards what if my legs is numb and like i like my hips are clicking and like i can't really walk that well afterwards and i feel like a sack of bones so like that is not how we are starting this is we're ending like this yeah, is the end it's yeah. a wonderful it's great but like yeah this is this is the end thank you so much for coming <laughs> this is great <laughs> like, uh. oh that's funny but uh, I have faith in you. If you want to do it, it'll be good. But yeah. yeah. She wants to do it. We just got to find the right entry point and then the right the right movement. Yeah. What, there's no one size fits all for this. You just you got to figure this. Your current partner seems like that they're willing to be patient with you. So, yeah, it's about you. Yeah. His pleasure will come from you taking control. Exactly. All right. So now it's time for Don't Blame Them. Mm-hmm. This is where we have a listener call in with their own advice pertaining to a call from a previous episode. Maybe they have personal experience with it or they just have some insight that they would like to share. Hi, Megan and Melissa and everyone else listening. I'm calling for the Don't Blame Them for the last episode with the person that called in saying that they were having problems with their first time and their boyfriend staying hard. And I actually went through something very similar to this. I was talking to who is now my boyfriend and he was unable to like get hard and he didn't tell me about it right away because he was nervous. And then he eventually told me after a couple months of us not having sex and me like kind of being confused on what was going on and he was having anxiety performance and he actually ended up going to the doctor and getting on anxiety medication for it. He was really embarrassed about it and it had nothing to do with me. He had been in relationships previously and so had I, but he was just nervous about having sex with someone else for the first time and he just kind of really internalized that and it just got to the point where he couldn't, he just could not do it. So he got on the anxiety medication, and then we talked about it. And after he told me about it, we just tried to make each other comfortable, and it was fine after that. And we've been dating for almost three years. So it can be really awkward, but if you just work through it together, it won't be a problem. I hope that helps. Thanks. That was great. Wonderful. The wonderful pistachio. 
What are they saying in that commercial? Huh? The pistachio commercial. They're like the wonderful something pistachio. The wonderful world of pistachio? I don't think it's world, though. Okay. Well, that is it for our episode. If you would like to leave us a review, we would love that. We appreciate a five-star review. It makes us so happy. makes our day. And if you want to call in for an upcoming episode, you can leave us a voicemail at 310-694-0976. International listeners, send us an email at meganpodcast at gmail.com. And if you are listening this long, head on over to the Instagram and comment who you think a modern day philosopher is. (laughs) (laughs) You can be as funny or as serious as you wish. And it'll be even funnier if we decide that the ones that are obviously joking are serious and the ones that are (laughs) serious are joking. I'm going to read a review real quick. Okay. All right. This is from abs2597. Says, love it. Love the inclusivity and how much of a safe space this is. Hey, that makes me happy. That is the number one goal with this podcast. We hope you all enjoyed. Follow us on Instagram. Follow our own socials. Stay tuned on Thursday and go subscribe to our other show. What am I wrong? It's a wonderful, wonderful piece of content. Mm -hmm. If you have an update, shoot us an email and uh, we would love to have you back on the podcast. And we will see you next time. Oh, and everybody say happy belated birthday to Melissa. (laughs) Well, because your birthday is tomorrow, the day we're recording this. Yeah. This comes out on Monday. Yeah. Yeah. So know that her birthday was last Wednesday and wish her a happy birthday. Thank you. Of course. (laughs) Bye. Goodbye. Don't Blame Me is a production by me. Executive produced by Melissa DeMonts and Diamond Imprint Productions. Edited by Coco Lawrence. Post-production sound by Chris Henry. Production assistance by Melanie D. Watson. Music by Ryan Hunter and Giacomo Picasso. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Want flexibility? Take yoga. Want flexibility with your health insurance? Check out United Healthcare Insurance Plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget friendly medical, dental, and vision coverage that may be right for you. More at uh1.com. 
Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at bowlandbranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50% to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns.